It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, Falcomaniacs. Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, joined, as always, by my co-host, the man in rainbow, Mr. Jeff Faulkner. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's, uh, and then there were two. It's, uh, you know, exciting time of the season. All kinds of coaching news, all kinds of off-season drama happening. So, you know, the NFL, we talk about it all the time. It never stops. Uh, so it's exciting for us, and, and it gives us lots to talk about on the episode. Uh, you know, the weather here is the pits. We were just talking off-air how crummy the shovel has been this uh, this evening. It's super wet, and I'm like, I don't know, I'm just like exhausted actually from shoveling the driveway so uh hopefully we were past the worst of it and uh, i can chill that tomorrow but other than that i'm good man how are you doing yeah no i'm about the same i've got the snow shovelers backache it's a chronic condition up here in canada eh and uh you know we're having fun we connected last weekend actually we had a bit of a family zoom while we were watching the royal rumble and uh you know that's what prompted me to let the people at home know one of your many wrestling alter egos the man in rainbow the technicolor dreamboat himself <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. my what yeah you... well, oh it's true. you I... know i have my sources just keep an eye on the social media we'll get the clips out there true funny enough so i did a re- have a professional wrestling match uh when i hosted a daytime talk show here in barry on rogers tv that's not a brag and uh so these wrestlers <laughs> came on i don't did I, have I told the story on the podcast already i don't anyways, know but even if you have we'll tell it again so anyways these these they did a, like a local wrestling show where these guys you know they do their thing every once a month and they came on the show and we did an interview with them and i kind of hit it off with one of the other wrestlers and we got into this you know like wrestlers do into each other's face and started bat, uh, jabbing at each other back and forth. Anyways, uh, they come back the next month and we do it again and they end up inviting me to be in a match. So I'm in a tag match, me and uh, Rob Rage against uh, the professional and a, a guy named Jay's Hart. And um, so I got in the match and they're like, what's your name? What's your nickname? And I'm like, I don't, I don't have any of this. Like I do, I had track pants and a t-shirt. I'm like, I wasn't <laughs> ready at all for any of it, which I really should have been. So they gave me a name as I came out, and they introduced me as the Kempenfelt Playboy, <laughs> which is like <laughs> the worst name, especially if you know my history. But um, yeah, so um, yeah, with the Man in Rainbow kind of fits in along with the Kempenfelt Playboy as well. So maybe I, I'm, I'm like uh, earning a, a string of nicknames here like the all-time greats do. Yeah, man. Johnny Cash Money. I love it. All right, folks. Well, you know what? As much fun as it is talking about Jeff's wrestling glory days, this isn't a wrestling podcast. For heaven's sakes, we're here to talk some football and some fantasy football, and uh, we got lots for you. So make sure you're checking us out. We are with you every week, once a week through the whole off season. We'll be back to twice a week during the uh, regular season next year. If you're new to the show, welcome in. If you're a returning Falcomaniac, welcome back. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And uh, more important than that, folks, you know it's that time of year where uh, we're like those we're like those people collecting at Christmas time, ringing the bell with the Santa Claus hats on. But uh, what we're collecting from you is recommendations. We want you to share the show. If you're enjoying the show and having fun, share it with somebody else who loves football, loves laughs, and uh, you know just wants to have a good time once a week. That's it. So we're 95 episodes into this bad boy. We've been doing the jersey swap, and we're going to do it for number 95. Not a ton of names on this one, but which uh, jersey are you going to rock here, Kyle? We got Richard Dent, who came up as the greatest ever to wear the number 95, according to Bleacher Report. Greg Lloyd, who's an all-time Steeler linebacker. Chandler Jones, who uh, you know started last season with, what, 
seven sacks in the first game and then kind of came back to earth, but uh, still one of the all-time sack masters we've seen. Uh, Miles Garrett, you know, performer first overall pick for the Cleveland Browns, or in the hockey world, Matt Duchesne. So number 95, which one are you rocking? Well, you know, we always, I, I try to say besides the Steelers jersey, the Greg Lloyd would be great. Um, I, ju- I one day it'd be nice, you know, when this when this little podcast that could really takes off, it'll be it'll be great when I just have a room the size of an elementary school gymnasium and it's just, you know, hanging with all the all the great Steeler jerseys. But until that day, uh, I can't bring myself to say Miles Garrett. Uh, just you know, it makes my head hurt worse than Mason Rudolph's last year to think about that. So I'm gonna go with Matt Deshane. I'm gonna go with a bright yellow uh, Nashville Predators Matt Deshane jersey. What about you? Uh, for me, it's a no brainer. It's Greg Lloyd. I know it's a homer pick, but uh, I think I've said this on the pod, pod before. Um, he was the reason I became a Steeler fan. I just happened to have a Sports Illustrated subscription when I was younger, and uh, he was kind of lighting the world on fire. I think he won three All-Pros between 93 and 95 and was a cover of one of the Sports Illustrated I had, and I loved what I read. He loved the pictures that came with it and kind of became a Steelers fan from there. So I think that would be pretty fitting for me to get a, a Steelers number 95. Absolutely. That's the same way you became a Kathy Ireland fan too, as I recall. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we've got a lot to get to here. There's not a lot of football happening this week unless uh, you're looking for a podcast that's going to talk Pro Bowl, and this ain't it. But uh, we do have lots of news to get to, lots getting shaken up in the league, the no-fun league. But before we do any of that, we got to hit the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. So for the kickoff this week, Jeff, I thought we would actually start with one of the, not just the biggest stories of the week, but one of the biggest sports stories of our lifetime, I would say, is is pretty accurate. It is official. Tom Brady, he's done. He gone. He hung up the cleats. He did it on his own terms after refuting the story by Adam Schefter, making him look quite the fool. He waited two whole days and then said, oh, just kidding, I am retiring. So... Here's what I want to kind of explore, though, Jeff, and I did a little mental exercise I'm going to walk you through. Obviously, he's one of the all-time greats, but now that he's done, can we truly call Tom Brady the GOAT, the greatest of all time? So when looking at this argument, the other name that comes up frequently as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, is Joe Montana. And that's rightfully so, right? Joe Montana and Tom Brady are talked about the same way that Michael Jordan and LeBron James are. So look at Montana's career numbers. They are incredible. Overall, his win-loss record was 133 wins, 54 losses. He finished his career with 46,323 passing yards, 318 touchdowns, and a whopping 16 playoff wins, including four Super Bowls with the Niners. And those numbers are definitely right in the Brady zone. Here are the numbers from Tom Terrific. Win-loss record of 140 wins and 41 losses, so pretty close. 45,264 passing yards, 338 touchdowns, and 16 playoff wins just like Joe, including three Super Bowls. Wait a minute. Only three Super Bowls? Oh, that's right. Those stats I gave you were only Tom Brady between the year 2000 and 2011. Then, between 2012 and 2022, Brady went 138-44, and 52,305 passing yards, 372 touchdowns, 19 more playoff wins, including four more Super Bowls. 
He was Joe Montana, and then he was Joe Montana again, Jeff. Two Hall of Fame careers in one fantastic alien life form player. In total, he finished with an all-time record of 273 wins, 73 losses, 84,520 yards, 710 touchdowns, 35 playoff wins, 10 Super Bowl appearances, and 7 championship rings. That's more than any NFL franchise in history. All time, Tommy Boy has the most wins, the most Pro Bowls, the most Super Bowl MVPs, the most starts, the most completions, most attempts, most yards, most touchdowns, most three touchdown games, and most four touchdown games. And in the postseason, he's got the most appearances, the most starts, the most wins, most Super Bowls played in, most Super Bowl titles, most completions, most yards, most TDs, most game-winning drives, and most fourth-quarter comebacks. (sighs) They're going to have to open a separate Hall of Fame for this guy in five years. So... I found three really cool stats. There are a million coming out. If you're on social media at all, you're, you know, twice this week, your page has been flooded with Tom Brady stats. But these are the best three that I could find. The first one is there have been 10 Super Bowls started by a quarterback named Joe. Joe Namath was in one. Joe Cap. Joe Montana was in four. Joe Theismann was in two. Joe Flacco. And now Joe Burrow. That's tied for the most with 10 Super Bowls started by a quarterback named Tom. All of them were Tom Brady. That was courtesy of at Jeff underscore Mitchum. Thanks, Jeff. The second stat is that Tom Brady has thrown for over 3,000 yards in the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. 3,000 yards just in Super Bowls. That comes to you courtesy of at Steve Flynn LV. And this one is my favorite one because we talk about Patrick Mahomes as the new face, the new hotness. You know, Mr. Unbeatable, except for once last week and once last year. But anyways, since Patrick Mahomes was named a starter in 2018, he has eight playoff wins and a Super Bowl. In the same time, Tom Brady has 10 playoff wins and two Super Bowls. Thank you, at underscore Chris Curtis, for pointing out just how much of a joker Pat Mahomes is compared to the Golden Boy. So to you, Jeff, to you, Falcomaniacs, I humbly submit... That without a doubt, Tom Brady is the G-O-A-T GOAT. And in the words of another immortal, Tay-Tay, the haters gonna hate, 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 hate. Shake it off. Shake it off. Well, here's the deal with my relationship with Tom Brady for, I mean, that's great stuff, by the way, Kyle. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I hated the guy for, what, from 2000 until like three weeks ago. Um... I just, you know, obviously as a Steelers fan, he was a, a, in the way for, uh, for a lot of the years and his stats stay in for themselves. And he's obviously the great, the greatest of all time. I'm not questioning that. But my relationship with him was I hated this guy forever. And then my son became a fan. And I had one of my favorite sports moments ever uh, two weeks ago when the Bucks got eliminated. When they came back and tied that game, I was watching <laughs> you know, four or five of my best friends. And uh, Andy was with me. And when they tied it, Andy went nuts and like jumped in my arms and gave me the biggest hug, like one of the biggest hugs of my life. And all my buddies were kind of like almost in awe of how like pure, how much pure joy was in the air. <laughs> so uh, he kind of came full circle for me. So uh, I appreciate that, and I do appreciate what he did for the league and what he did in the league. It's it's unheard of. And yeah, I know Mahomes and people want Mahomes to be the next great one. You know, people are saying Burrow is he the next Brady? Just you know, Brady is Brady, and let's just enjoy what we saw. Anyways, that's enough Brady talk, man. Let's uh, get into the rest of the league. There is another, uh, you know, a few other players and some other coaches that we're going to talk about. Lots of NFL news to cover, so let's go to it. Let's check out the NFL news. I've just been handed an urgent 
and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for Fantasy Football News. So, I mean, so there was some rumors when Brady, uh, when Schefter broke the report about Brady, they were saying, uh, you know, Brady wants to be the one to release this. He doesn't want somebody else to break it. That's why he's refuting the reports. Uh, he didn't want, you know, share the spotlight with the AFC and NFC Championship game. He wanted to wait some and have the, you know, the spotlight on himself for for all the time once he re- announces it. Uh, and then he does announce it, and it's obviously huge news. But somehow it gets trumped by even bigger news, which is uh, Brian Flores and uh, the suit he's had. He sued basically the NFL. He's suing the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos for racism, abuse of the Rooney Rule. And to see the hiring practices in the league changed. Um, I've, I'm trying to follow this story as much as I can because it's absolutely fascinating. Um, most, the most, uh, amongst the most damning charges are that the Broncos front office scheduled an interview with Flores only to show up an hour late, disheveled, and apparently hungover. Flores indicated he felt like the interview was only in place to satisfy the Rooney rule, not that he actually was a legitimate candidate for the job. And uh, another really crazy part of this uh, twist, and it's a bad look for the greatest of all time. You, you know, you're talking about the greatest player of all time. Well, the greatest coach of all time kind of looked like a fool this week as well. Uh, there was a text chain between Flores and Bill Belichick in which Belichick basically said to you, to Brian Flores, congratulations on getting the New York, New York Giants job. Three days before Brian Flores, who he's actually texting with, actually had his interview. So he confused Brian Dable and Brian Flores. Obviously, the Giants are obvious, went with Brian Dable, but uh, the fact that Belichick knows this and is confident enough to congratulate somebody on getting a job before the person he's actually talking to has an interview, obviously a horrible look for everybody involved, but the Giants especially, um, you know, again, this looks like they're scheduling interviews just to, to satisfy a rule. And um, yeah, I mean, I think this is the first of a bunch of stuff that's going to come out about this. This is going to be a fascinating story leading up to the Super Bowl. Um the uh, Roger Goodell is the you know the commissioner does a press conference the night before this or the Friday night before the Super Bowl every single year. This is going to be a massive part of it. And I'm really interested to see how he handles himself on his feet. And um, there's so many other layers to this. I like Kyle. I don't know if you saw. I know I'm kind of ranting and raving about this, but I don't know if you saw the the claims that uh, the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, actually tried to incentivize Flores to tank in the 2019 season by offering him a hundred grand per loss. In, uh, in an attempt to get a higher draft pick, who was basically Joe Burrow he was trying to get. But the fact that this is the first of a few claims that have started to trickle out, but this is like, you know, people are comparing this to Pete Rose in baseball and coaching and betting on the game, but this is like a full-on incentive to actually lose the game. Um, this has got layer upon layer upon layer. I don't know if this is the end of Stephen Ross as a Dolphins owner. I You know, there's lots to come out about this. Um yeah, I mean, I'm probably missing a bunch, but it's just it's, it's a fascinating story. And, uh, you know, the, obviously the Rooney Rule was put in place because there was a problem. And it's too bad it's being abused, especially in 2022. Um, and something's going to have to be done about this. But I, I don't know what it's going to be, but I can't wait to see fi- to, to find out. Yeah, absolutely, man. This is massive. And you're right. This is about the only thing that could have unseated the Brady um, retirement this week. And it's it's not even it doesn't even remind me as much as a Pete Rose thing where, you know, yeah, he was gambling on baseball, but, you know, has maintained throughout that he was always trying to have his teams win and was never that. It's more uh, like a Tim Donahue, right? Like the referee who was found match fixing basically in the NBA 
because that's essentially what it was. You're tanking, and it's kind of a hush-hush, you know, nudge-nudge thing. Uh, Tank for Tua was literally probably the most trending hashtag related to football that year. Uh, Ironically, they ended up with Tua by not tanking as fully as they wanted to, but to actually have, you know, a price listed. He's putting his name out there and saying, this is a conversation that happened. I'm not implying anything. I'm telling you I was offered $100,000 per loss. I was told not to win. Um, I was, you know, invited to tamper with a with a player that was under contract. Like, these are pretty strong allegations. Now, obviously, uh, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Broncos are all denying this um and we'll see what comes of it it's this is a hard one for me unless he's got hard proof this is a hard one for me to see um you know unfortunately him being successful but maybe that's not the point maybe he just feels like he said so strongly he's willing to put his career something that he loves and something that he's good at on the line um to bring the attention to this that he feels it deserves other coaches have come out kind of in support tony dungy Uh, Notably, you know, Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy talking about, um, you know, some of the struggles that he faced in terms of getting uh, getting a chance as a coach. Uh, Hugh Jackson with the Browns. Now, this may have been just excuse making for uh, the 0-16 season, but Hugh Jackson saying the same kind of thing that uh, management and ownership, um, you know, he didn't give a dollar amount, but basically said that he was pressured and incentivized to purposefully lose games um, when the team didn't look very strong. Uh, it's yeah, this is going to be something that we're talking about for a little while for sure. Yeah, it sure is, and I know that Flores had interviews scheduled this like after this news came out. The Saints and the Texans are both, you know, have him uh, have having him in for interviews. So it's going to be interesting to see what his career uh, it looks like after this. But obviously, the NFL as a whole, because this is a huge story. Um, yeah, well, so stay tuned for that one. We'll be talking about it a lot, so I'm sure. There's lots of other news to happen as well. This is the type of year where new coaches do get hired, and uh, there were some hires already in this, this season. The Broncos started the carousel off by signing Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach, coming off three seasons as Green Bay's offensive coordinator. They also hired Green Bay tight end coach Justin Outen as their offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, the Rodgers, yeah, sirens are going <laughs> off here. Obviously, this is a, a strong connection. Um with Aaron Rodgers and the Broncos, a rumor that it was already, you know, gaining momentum as the offseason's going here. Um, and, you know, obviously with the Packers losing a coordinator, they promoted with, from within. They took uh, Adam Stanadovich and promoted him to their offensive coordinator. So in-house promotion for the Packers, very similar to what the, the Steelers like to do. But, uh, yeah, keep an eye on the Broncos and see if A-Rod actually ends up there. We shall see. Uh, Bears hired former Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberfluss as their head coach. Uh, social media hated this pick. Uh, they were saying he's going to ruin Justin Fields. The Bears are going to ruin Justin Fields. They didn't need a defensive-minded coach, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. Uh, then they signed Packers quarterback coach to be their offensive coordinator. That's Luke Getze. So uh, Packers are losing coaches all over the place. Uh, that's what happens when you win a lot of games. Um, so Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator now in Chicago. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, new coaching staff, new regime. We'll see how they play. And uh, the Giants also, I mentioned this earlier, they have hired uh, Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable. And I'm not trying to take a shot at him at all. He was obviously a, a very qualified head coaching candidate, but the whole mix-up was just an embarrassment for everybody involved. Um, but he will be the head coach of the New York football Giants. And they also, um, he brought, a, um, I can't remember who it was, but he brought another gentleman with him from Buffalo's to be on his coaching staff. And the Bills have promoted coach, uh, quarterback coach, uh, Ken Dorsey to be their offensive coordinator to fill in for Dable. So uh, lots of coaching spots being filled this week. 
Doesn't Bill Belichick just seem like the type of old man that has like five contacts in his phone all just under Brian? Like he's got Brian yeah. Dabble, Brian Flores, Brian Hoyer, Brian Cranston, who he met at a Breaking Bad after party. And he just picks one. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I think this is it. Oh, I think boy. he's never going to send another text message for the rest nope. of his life. No, somebody else do it for him. Everything by messenger pigeon from now on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Just like the days of his youth. Anyways, uh, some more teams making moves here. The Raiders have brought in uh, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, both from the New England Patriots, as their new uh, GM and head coach, respectively. So, you know, we wondered if uh, we wondered if old Vic was going to get to stick with the team. They decided to go a different way, so we'll see what McDaniels can do. Um, you know, he he briefly took a job, I believe, wasn't it, with Indy? He took a job and then and then had backsies disappeared and went back to new england yeah, and uh same so, day or next day yeah it was yeah it was like he stuck out his hand to shake it and then did the old psych and slicked yeah. his hair back <laughs> but uh yeah so we'll see how things go but it sounds like they believe in uh they believe in Carr. they believe that he can be a winning quarterback and they want to build around him so um you know be interesting to see what that team can put together going into next year. Some big rumors coming out of Minnesota. It sounded for a while like Jim Harbaugh was actually going to leave Michigan and take the Vikings job. But now it rumors are that Harbaugh has told Michigan that he'll be back next season. And uh, it sounds like it's all but settled that the new coach of the Vikings is going to be Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell. Now, obviously, nothing can be signed until after the Super Bowl. But uh, there's reports out that Minnesota has called the other candidates and told them that, uh, you know, the decision's been made and it's just a formality at this point. In San Francisco, Jimmy G is scheduled to have thumb surgery and uh, expected to be out for four to six weeks. We don't really know what's going to happen with him or where he'll be playing next year. The Niners need to make some cap space, so it sounds like, uh, you know, he's going to be traded away to make room for last year's third overall pick, Trey Lance. And Garoppolo said he's, you know, excited to keep playing and excited to to go somewhere else. He just wants to play for a team that's ready to win, wants to play for a competitive team. And, uh, you know, for him coming from the Patriots to the Niners and um, as a starter, like very nearly in two Super Bowls in three years, uh, you know, say what you want about his play, but his record does speak for itself. So hopefully he finds a home and hopefully for my fantasy squad. Yeah. He, will. He, he is available for trade, Aloe years. Uh, the Eagles are rumored to be looking at DJ Chark as a possible secondary weapon um, to go along with Devonta Smith. Sounds like Jalen Rager, not the man they thought he was when they took him over Justin Jefferson. Uh, meanwhile, Jalen Hurts is going to have surgery on his ankle. He he kind of was dealing with that ankle injury at the rest of the end of the year, hobbled him a little bit. He's expected to miss some time, but should be ready for OTAs uh, going into next season. And again, it, it by all accounts, it sounds like the Eagles are uh, you know at least committed to another season that Hurts is going to be their starter. I love. Sorry, I know you're going to jump into the next point, but I love that this is so consistent with the Eagles' ability to assess receivers. We're going into a free agent period where, where Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, <laughs> these guys are available, and they're like, yeah, we're looking at DJ Jerk. You know <laughs> so who's really rested? You know who's really <laughs> yeah, fresh exactly. as a daisy? DJ Jerk. <laughs> do, 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 do. I think one of the uh, I think one of the assistant GM's grandsons sang him that song and made him want to make that pick. Oh, there it is. 
Yeah. All right. A couple more things here. The Buccaneers, it sounds like they're going to try and get Chris Godwin back on. Uh, they've got a lot to figure out with no Tom Brady, but if they can keep most of those pieces in place and bring somebody else, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, in to play quarterback competently, um, you know, they could look right away to run it back next year. And last but certainly not least, Michael Gallup, giddy up. He's going to have ACL repair surgery, but should have lots of time to get ready for training camp and hoping to play a bigger role in that offense. And he just might. It sounds like the the team is kind of mirroring what Jerry Jones said. They're really ticked off at Amari Cooper, and uh, they have an opportunity. I don't know if they could let a player like that go, but it, I saw something it would clear, I think, 16 or $17 million and uh, free them up to do a little more to help their team. So we shall see, Jeff. We shall see. I can't wait to find out. Well, that does it for the news. Uh, we've talked about, we teased off the top, we're down to two teams, but let's check out what happened last week in the week that was. I won. I won. I won. I won. The week that was. How could this happen? How could this happen? So we're getting down to the nitty gritty here, Kyle. Man, we only got two games le- uh, last weekend, and now we gotta wait. You know, we can watch the Pro Bowl if you really want to, but we really gotta wait for the real games and the real action. Um, but last week we got some doozies. Both games were really good. We'll start with the Rams and the 49ers. Uh, the Rams finally get past Kyle Shanahan. McVay finally gets past his uh, nemesis Shanahan, and Matt Stafford is going to the big game. I'm pretty happy for him. Uh, it was a pretty good game. I was rooting for the 49ers. Um, but they weren't able to pull it out. Uh, they, you know, they got up to, to what a ten-point lead, I think it was at one point. They're up seventeen-seven, but couldn't hold on in the fourth quarter. Uh, Matt Stafford, uh, you know, I've said this a couple times since seeing it, but it was really interesting to me when Peyton Manning and Eli said, "Now that Stafford got that first playoff win under his belt, watch how much more relaxed he is and how much better he's played." And I've been kind of blown away with how well he's playing. Um, it kind of seems like the new formula for the NFL is host the Super Bowl. And then in the offseason before you that season, trade for a franchise quarterback, and then you're going to go to the Super Bowl in your home stadium. <laughs> it's uh, been the formula the last two years, and it's working um, once again. So, um, yeah, obviously congrats to the Rams, but this segment is about what now and uh, the 49ers lost. So we're looking at the 49ers. What now for San Francisco? You know, Kyle kind of mentioned this. Uh, Jimmy G is the big question mark in the quarterback position. Uh, he needs surgery on the thumb, but uh, like Kyle said, it's only about four to six week recovery time. It sounds like he's going to be back for camp, meaning uh, you know he'll have a full off season for potential suitors. Um, he's a twenty five million dollar cap hit right now, so uh, you know San Francisco is going to be eager to move on from that, and especially with all the draft capital they spent on their on his replacement last year in Trey Lance. So um, outside of the quarterback position, you know the Forty ers I think they're in really good shape. I mean, that Debo established himself as an absolute weapon. George Kittle is a top two, top three tight end in the NFL. I really think Brandon Ayuk is going to, you know, have a better offseason and come back in, in better shape, but he's a really good complement piece on a passing uh, offense that, you know, they don't sling it a lot, but he's, a, you know, make he does enough to make you think about him. And the run game is elite. I love what Kyle Shanahan does. He, he knows, you know, get the fact that you, I've seen Trent Williams in motion the last two or three San Francisco games just absolutely blowing up an edge linebacker. It's been so fun to watch. He's kind of revolutionizing in the way he's doing things and moving O-linemen around now. Uh, so the Shanahan run game is elite, and I can I expect that to, to stay the same in, in the, the next couple of years here, uh, even if it is Trey Lance. We'll see how, you know, the actual running back's production is affected by a mobile quarterback, but uh, I, I still think the run game is going to be absolutely elite. And there's tons of talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. Um, so I think they're in good hands. It's just, you know, 
the quarterback is the really the hugest question mark, which is obviously the most important position. Um, my question for you, Kyle, for San Francisco, I, I, I keep talking about how elite the running game is for them, but can you trust Elijah Mitchell going into next year? And with a quick note on that, San Francisco has had a different running back lead them in, pa- in rushing yards each of the last four seasons. And I probably forget three of the names because they they basically fell off the earth after the year they led their team. Man, at the end of their games, you can almost say they've had a different running back lead them in rushing opportunities each of the last four quarters. Like, that's the thing. It's it's all about the Shanahan system. It doesn't seem to matter who is in the backfield. I'm not sure that you can trust. Elijah Mitchell was, you know, fantastic. Uh, burst onto the scene, and when he was healthy and, and in the game, he was great. But he wasn't the best running back they had this year. That was easily Debo Samuel. As he got more and more carries out of the backfield, he showed that he had elusiveness and um, breakaway speed and could just truck over guys when they got in his way. He was a thumper, too, between the tackles. Um, But don't forget, you know, they have Raheem Mostert, I believe, still under contract for one more year, who was injured immediately. What, What do you have, two carries for 20 yards and then got hurt this season? Um, and they spent a first-round draft pick on, uh, it seems like 100 years ago, but Trey Sermon, who you know didn't show, but that doesn't mean that he's a total bust already. So I have no idea. Um, if I had Mitchell in a keeper league and there was value uh, to be had, I, I might look at trading him just for the uncertainty. And even if he is the main guy to start, just the uncertainty of the week-to-week. Yeah, I, uh, I agree 100%. I would trade him if I can. And, uh, you know, I know you're a big Jimmy G guy, but it, it looks like it's the end for him in San Francisco, uh, whether it's warranted or not. If the cap hit is what it is and, uh, you know, the business is what it is. But talk to me about your honest feelings about Trey Lance after, uh, you know, he couldn't beat out Jimmy G for the job this year for whatever reason that was Jimmy G's play or Trey Lance's play in practice. But um, uh, he's obviously, you know, he's going to get a chance here, it looks like. So what do you think about his what he does for the offense uh, moving forward here? Well, he talked about uh, this week, he talked about he's putting in a lot of work on his mechanics um, leading into OTAs for this year. Uh, So he's prepping himself to be the man. And I'm not sure exactly what the reason was. This coaching staff showed us that if they didn't like something about, you know, whether it was the way you were playing or what you were bringing, uh, they weren't going to give you a chance, right? We saw Brandon Ayuk struggling to even get in the lineup at the start of the season. Um, you know, based on some some offseason issues. So I think that the team will do everything they can. They invested so heavily. Like, what did they turn three first round picks into into the third overall or something like that? Something crazy. Was, they, uh, they 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 paid up. Price. Yeah, they paid yeah. up to get this guy. So show us why, right? Shanahan knows how to the, the offense is gonna be totally different. It can't exist the same way that it has um, you know under Jimmy Garoppolo, it can't exist that way with the guy that you brought in, but he opens up a whole new, uh, you know, a whole new can of worms that you can spring on the other team with his uh, mobility. So we'll see what happens. A lot depends too on, um, you know, who's back. I know Alex Mack on the O-line, one of the all-time greats getting to the, the end of his career. He's not sure whether he'll be back or not. So that's a big gap at center to fill. But uh, I think that they're going to do everything they can to put him into a position of success. And the biggest thing for him, I think, is he'll be in a good situation. We said this coming out of the draft last year. To have a rookie quarterback, you know, not go to a team like Jacksonville or a team like the Texans or a team like, 
you know, who insert bad team here, the Jets, to go to a team with a great defense and a great coaching staff and great receiving core and a great tight end and a great O line and great special teams. And like that is the dream to be a rookie on a team that's ready to go. So it's time for him to step up and show them that he's ready to go too. There's not going to be any three or four year growing process. He's got to do it right now. Yeah, I agree. And the reason I asked you is because social media, as soon as the 49ers season ended, everybody's trying to get ahead of it and be the first guy to say Trey Lance is my breakout for next year. And, you know, curb your expectations. He will basically, this will be his first NFL action. I know he started a couple games, but this will be his first season. So, uh, you know, the promise is there. I don't know if he'll be fantasy stud like everybody's predicting right away, but uh, fingers crossed. Uh, There was another game as well, and this one was an absolute slobber knocker as well. The Bengals from Cincy beat the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which was absolutely crazy. So what now for Kansas City? Well, first of all, man, Cinderella, the Cincy-Dorella story, once again, does their thing. And basically a mirror image of the game they played in Week 17. Um, I think it was a 17-point deficit deficit Week 17 instead of an 18-point deficit uh, going into the half in this one. But absolutely just, you know, flip the switch at halftime. Joe Burrow is my crush, and I don't care who knows it. Uh, It hurts me to say as a Steelers fan, but this guy is so cool and calm under the pressure. You know, he's like third down and seven, no problem, nothing there. I'll break a couple tackles from Chris Jones and run for eight yards and get the first down. Oh, and then I'll sling it to Jamar He's just so good under pressure. It's, uh, you know, beyond his years. He's basically still a rookie coming off that devastating knee injury last year. So congrats to the Bengals. We're going to be talking about them lots uh, next week. But what now for the Kansas City Chiefs? I honestly, you know, I thought the 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 Bengals Cinderella story was going to end last week. I thought the Chiefs were going to steamroll them, uh, and it didn't happen. Uh, it did happen for a half, and then they absolutely melted down. Mahomes, man, you were kind of you know crapping on him earlier in the episode, but he absolutely melted down in this one like we've never seen before. He looked as awkward as his brother's dancing. Like it was brutal, <laughs> man. Um, you know, he's, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's still the class of the NFL uh, at the quarterback position. He's going to be a fantasy beast for years and years, and this team's going to be a contender. But this was shocking. Uh, the play at the end of the half to throw it to Tyreek in play with no timeouts and get no points there. And then the entire second half, including, you know, first and goal at the end of the fourth uh, quarter in a, in a must-score situation where you're down by three, and they end up kicking a 50-yard field goal, basically, because of Mahomes running around like a you know, kid learning how to play a video game. So it was a, it was a bad scene, and, uh, you know, they kind of gave this one away. Not to take anything away from the Bengals, but, you know, the, the Chiefs are better than what they played in the second half. Um and it got me thinking, man. I was thinking, like, what happened? They were, you know, Mahomes wins his first Super Bowl. They get back, you know, they draft CEH, and this is going to be the missing piece. And everything has kind of gone downhill since then. I'm not specifically blaming CEH, but they're missing something on this team. And I feel like that pick could have been used better than, than the CEH um, to maybe fill whatever hole they're, they're missing. There's a stat I saw today that just blew me away. CEH was third on his own team in running back receptions like this guy was being compared to brian westbrook coming out of the draft first round (laughs) going to this offense and yeah i don't know what your thoughts are i know you know people are going to be picking him to break out next year too but uh he can't be trusted and i don't think anybody in this kansas city run game can be um but yeah what what do you think that, that needs to happen in kansas city well 
it's it's there's so much talent there and don't you know don't say what i'm not saying i I wouldn't say i was crapping on patrick mahomes i was simply pointing out that he's you know as great as he's been as generational as he's been he's been outperformed by a 43 to 45 year old um but uh you're not wrong about clyde edwards alaire now a few years ago we were saying that about sony michelle in new england first round running back just never really lived up to the expectations and had a change of scenery this year. And as soon as he was thrust into action, he was fantastic. He was one of the, looked like one of the best backs in the league, just dependable and, and uh, productive. So a part of it might come down to that for CEH. Like he was a pick for uh, me for sure this year, I think for both of us uh, as a breakout, because we expected more receiving work because that's what he was good at in college, or that's what he was hyped up as. Uh, and more usage. We talked about, you know, the goal line numbers and the regression. And the reality was that, you know, he had injury troubles. He was in and out, but he also was in a rotation with other backs and he was also outperformed. He was outperformed by Daryl Williams at times in the season. He was outperformed by Jarek McKinnon at times in the playoffs. So I'm not sure what their plan is there, but I think they need to figure something out. Mahomes is he can do things at quarterback that nobody else in the league. And I mean, nobody, not Josh Allen, not Tom Brady, not even Aaron Rodgers. Some of the things that Mahomes does so effortlessly, but I, there were times this season where I was kind of scratching my head at some of the decision-making and, and some of the things he was doing. But during this game, you know, we had our, our uh, group text going and like just holding on to the ball and holding, 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 holding sacked on third down over and over again, it just, it seemed like he couldn't find something, but instead of that, you know, that unbelievable magic that he used to show us every week where he just kind of pulled something out of his hat and poof, presto changeo, we've got first down. It's like he was just looking for something that wasn't there and then just got lost. Maybe those ghosts that were haunting Sam Darnold, maybe they came to Kansas City. I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, again, they're going to be in great shape. I feel like they need another weapon in the passing game, though. I know Tyreek is, you know, top tier, and Kelsey's obviously the t- top of the position, but I just feel like they need another threat, and they also need a little more balance, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, crazy ending to the season, and, and I thought they would be – I thought we were going to be talking about Mahomes winning his second one. As soon as Brady was bounced, I thought it was Mahomes' year to get number two. And, uh, you know, the NFL continues to show us that we don't know anything. Um so yeah, usually we only covers the game that happened or the games that happened for this segment, but I thought we'd do a bonus one here because of uh, Brady retiring. What now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Obviously, he adds another element to their offseason and uh, could lead to others leaving Tampa Bay, but this passing game has been fantasy heaven for a few years now. Um, so, you know, let's just say, you know, fantasy land, who would be your ideal replacement for the Bucks to keep this game or this passing game in that fantasy uh, relevancy? Well, for my own personal selfish fantasy football uh, wishes, like I said earlier, Jimmy Garoppolo would fit in just great, especially if they bring back Chris Godwin and all the other pieces. But uh, realistically, no, I don't know. Um, Like, it's not out of the question that they find a big-name guy and bring him in, but uh, that's going to be tough, I think. Like, would you, if you were Tampa Bay, would you pursue some kind of split salary deal with Minnesota to take Kirk Cousins away to get two good years out of Cousins with the pieces you have would that be worth it to you I don't know I don't think I don't know I'm thinking more like 
going bigger and, and getting a guy like Russ would be. Uh, yeah, would be that would be figure, unbelievable. But... That would be unbelievable. I just don't know if they could pull it off. Now, on the discount side of things, you know, we saw Cam Newton go back to Carolina. Maybe it's oh, time to call yeah, up the no. King Crab Leg himself, famous Jameis. 30 <laughs> TDs, 30 TDs. <laughs> Throwing picks, TDs with picks. one hand and INTs with the other. Uh, it's funny. I see him connected to the Steelers like all every day when I'm on social media and they, they're talking about the Steelers quarterback next year. Jameis gets brought up quite a bit. So uh, he's going to find a home. Yeah, for sure. I don't know, man. It's uh, I think they've got it. Like I said earlier, uh, I think they've got a team in place that can go out and win. They could have done it this year. They fell just short. Uh, and if they can roll it back, if they can get Godwin signed up and fill a couple gaps quick, get some flex seal on there, uh, they just need somebody, you know, responsible with the ball, basically. Maybe maybe a guy like Jimmy G, maybe, uh, you know, slightly more responsible than that. Well, that was the week that was, and uh, we don't really have, like I said, we're not going to, you know, sorry folks out there that were hoping for this, but we're not going to do any kind of uh, Pro Bowl preview or anything like that. But uh, we do have a special feature, and this is one that we've been planning for a little while. And, uh, you know, just kind of the way it worked out, we had a special guest that was able to join uh, you in the studio up in Barrie there, Jeff. And, uh, you know, the roads, unfortunately, were a little bad. I couldn't make the drive. But uh, it sounded like you and our and our special guest had a pretty fantastic time together. Yeah, we did, man. Uh, so, um yeah, I met up with uh, celebrity chef Montana Marino, and we had a sweet chat. So uh, I guess we'll go to that now. Yeah, let's do it. So first of all, Chef Mar- uh, Marino, very glad to have you with me. Uh, it's unfortunate Kyle couldn't be with us today, but uh, I'm happy you're here. Uh, just had an, some amazing eats, so thank you for the good grub we had. Uh, I'll be sure, sure to add that to my uh, Super Bowl repertoire uh, in the years moving forward here. But, uh, you know, we have a couple questions I thought our listeners would be interested to hear. So uh, right off the top here, Chef, uh, please explain to me your business model because it is, because it is pretty unusual. Hoo-wee! That's right, man. I'm what you call the Super Bowl chef. Super Bolognese is my specialty in pasta. Super Bowl of cereal is what I ate for breakfast every god dang day. So uh, I tell you what, a lot of people, they criticize me and say, Chef, Chef, how can you only work one day a year? And I tell them, I tell you what, I am working every single god dang day. I'm working 365. I spend 364 per in my Super Bowl menu and one day serving it to some exclusive A-list clientele. You come around my house on Christmas Day, Jeff, you're going to see a turkey that's been categorically divided into 12 different flavor zones, each one featuring a different experimental wing sauce. You come knocking on my door Halloween, trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat, you know you're going to get some chicken skewers in your pillowcase. It's a grind, baby, but I love it. Woo! Well, you're making me hungry again. I don't know how that's possible with what we just ate, but uh, uh, you know, all right. So, chef, I got to know, how did you get into being, you know, the football guru? How did you get into doing football food? Well, I'll tell you, buddy. Uh, Footballs—it's always been a big part of my life. You can tell by the way my parents named me Montana Marino. They are big fans, big fans. I don't know how a Niners fan, a Dolphins fan, found themselves, but uh, when they got married. Their ceremony was conducted by Dan Marino's body double from the Ace Ventura movie, and my mom got walked down the aisle by Jerry Rice's barber, so they take it seriously. And around our house, you know, Sundays were sacred for, for football, and most sacred, the high holy holiday was the Super Bowl. 
And when I was a kid, it usually fell to me to make all the snacks because my parents were arguing about what was more important. On the one hand, was it better to have five championship dynasties spanning two Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Or on the other hand, was it better to have finished the only perfect season in league history? My daddy stuck by that till the day he died. God bless him. Every dang year. And I swear to you, that year that Tom Brady and the Patriots almost pulled off the perfect season, I thought they was going to get divorced. God bless you and your little noodle arms, Eli Manning. You saved my family. Anyways, cooking on Super Sunday was always my favorite day of the year, and I just decided that's what I wanted to do every year for the rest of my life. There it is. Well, Chef, it sounds like you, you've been doing it for a little while now. Talk to me about some of the – well, maybe not some of that, but talk to me about the most famous person you've ever catered for. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, I had a pretty big fish in the old uh, boiling in the pot, but I, I, I can't exactly divulge this particular clientele for security reasons. But let's just say that, uh, yeah, two, two, three years ago, I was hired by somebody who's, somebody whose job title rhymes with resident of the United Dates, if you catch my drift. The weird thing was, though, that the Donald, I, uh, the, the Ronald, yeah, Ronald, that guy Ronald, he didn't even want me to cook. He just gave me a list before the game, sent me around town, rounding up all kinds of fast food for him. He sent me to Burger King to get, you know, two dozen Whoppers. Then I had to drive all the way across to Mickey D's, get packets of Big Mac sauce to put on his Whoppers. Then I had to swing by Arby's and get a couple garbage bags full of them curly fries and horsey sauce. Then drive on over to the Colonel for a couple of buckets of chicken skins. And finally, he, he wanted me to fill up one of them Gatorade coolers with Diet Coke. I tell you, man, you ain't seen a stain Till you seen ketchup and horsey sauce dripping down the president's cummerbund. I mean, the resident's cummerbund. Ronald. Ronald's cummerbund. Cummerbunds. All right, uh, Chef, I wish we had more time. Uh, before you bounce, I, I got one more question for you. Talk to me. I, maybe you covered this with the Eli Manning saving the family thing, but uh, give us another memorable moment from your uh, your career. Well, you know, when I was just kind of getting big, I, I had worked my way up from, uh, you know, radio DJs and stuff like that to some real A-listers and uh, back in 2015 I was at a real star-studded Super Bowl party at Mark Wahlberg's house now Mark wasn't there of course but uh, Donnie see he had a spare key and he kind of just email spam most of the entertainment world and said party at my bro's house and uh, the party at, the, at that point in the night had kind of split right down the middle. All the Seahawks fans were on one side of the private amphitheater and all the Patriots fans on the other one. And I don't need to tell you the way that game ended, right, Jeff? The tensions were getting high. Russ and the boys were marching closer and closer. And all of a sudden, boom! Russ throws that pick her around the world and the Patriots took the game. Now, that in itself, that was pretty memorable. But what happened next, I will never forget. Steven Tyler, that fella that looks like the lady that sings with Aerosmith, he was there and, you know, Brady jersey on and hanging out with those uh, Beantown boys. And he looked across to the Seattle Seahawks side. He looked across to Ariana Grande, who was there, and, and he just yelled out to her, Just give me a pick! And I tell you what, that little girl, she came right barreling across the room, picked him up by his scrawny little neck and chokeslammed him right through the shrimp boil that I had dumped out on Marky Mark's table. And then, to make things crazier, that wild man John Cusack takes her idea, tells it to all his drunk buddies in Buffalo, and the rest is history, Bill's Mafia. Wow, there it is. Well, Chef, I, like I said, I wish we had more time. Well, you know what? Do you have a little more time? Can we play a little game with you? Do you have... Oh, yeah. I always. Are we, what, are we going to grease up and play some Twister? 
<laughs> well, I was maybe after we uh, stop recording, but before we do, uh, while we have you uh, on the air here, I thought we'd do some picks for the upcoming Super Bowl. Give our listeners the Falcon Maniacs, you know, they have an appetite. Uh, what, what do you say we do? We take turns. We'll each pick like an app and each pick, uh, you know, a main and some dips and stuff like that. What do you say we go well, back? Well, you lunches? know, I usually like to keep my menu for that year a secret, but uh, I'm sure Mr. Clooney won't mind if I let it out a week early. Well, he's, he doesn't listen to this podcast anyway. I'm sure it won't get back to him. But, uh, you know, well, I'll tell you what. We'll go first, and uh, then you can smash it out of the park with yours. Like, I, I know you will. So for, for Kyle and I, we're going to work on this together. Uh, our appetizer is bacon-wrapped jalapeno poppers. What do you say? Is that a good appetizer for the Super Bowl? Ooh, yeah. You got my mouth watering, my teeth tingling. That sounds pretty good to me. Well, so this year, you know, I wanted to come up with something special, and uh, it's hard with COVID. We're getting back to parties, but you don't always want people bending over the table, faces in close. So I was thinking something kind of a standalone, something you can carry with you. And I thought back to my my childhood, and one of my favorite treats as a child was them candy necklace. You know them candy necklaces you wear? Oh, yeah. So what I'm going to be doing this year is what's called a smorgasbord necklace. It's like a candy necklace, but instead of candies, it's got delicious fried shrimp, meatballs, pierogies, and mini egg rolls all the way around. Comes with a little flat of dipping sauces you can carry. And, of course, a nice cloth collar that sits on top of your shoulders and, you know, protects your, protects your jersey from them tasty treats. Hands free. You are changing the game once again, Chef. Uh, wow, that blows our jalapeno poppers out of the water. All right, we're going to dips. I know this one's a classic. It's also a doozy. We're going with buffalo chicken dip. Top that. Well, that that's a that's a tough nut to crack right there. That buffalo chicken dip. I usually like to spread that on a couple of slices of bread and make myself a sammy before I go to bed. Hee hoo. But, uh, you know, I never could decide which of my signature dips to serve. I kind of flip-flopped for years back and forth. I had my, you know, my spicy taco dip. I had my, my savory seafood surprise dip. And so what I gone and done did is uh, I, I did invented something called the signature two-layer, three-layer dip. So what I done is the top layer is my three-layer taco dip. And the bottom layer, the bottom layer's layer is my three-layer seafood surprise dip. And party goers, you know, they just kind of casually eliminate the taco dip during the first half of the game and work them way down to the seafood. And the trick is it's separated by a microscopically thin layer of ice, which does two jobs. Keeps that nasty salsa at bay and prevents tainted shellfish because ain't nothing going to break up a Super Bowl party like some bad shrimp. But this is one time when it's okay to double dip. Look at Dougie now. You're getting me hungry. Yeah, all right. All right. You know what? I got to step up the game, obviously, here. Buffalo chicken dip, is it doesn't stand up to your two-layer, three-layer dip. We're going chips or munchies in this one. I'm going with a classic. It's a doozy. My buddy Marty makes these nachos. We load them up with meat. We got two types of beans, some cheese, sour cream, some sauces. I'm going with Marty's loaded nachos. What can you say? What do you say about that? Chips or munchies? Beat Marty's loaded nachos. Well, that sounds like a rat treat. That sounds like a tough one. So this year I got a little creative. You know, uh, Mr. Clooney, he's not much of a potato chip kind of guy and didn't want didn't want nothing too heavy to go. You know, we've got the two-layer, three-layer dip. we got the smorgasbord necklace and then the, the PS de resistance coming up for the main course. But uh, he wanted me to think outside the box. He wanted me something... Something light, something breezy, something everybody likes, something you could get anywhere, anytime in the house. So what I did is I invented something called the popcorn fountain. It's kind of like a chocolate fountain, but instead it's just popcorn exploding out the top, 
and then it lands in the little circular pool and what i what i did is i had a lazy popcorn river installed all throughout mr clooney's main floor so the popcorn just comes out and then kind of gets pushed along and you can just scoop your bowl in any old time and to keep things fresh throughout the game it rotates every 10 minutes between you know your caramel corn uh, I've got the the Kentucky Fried Chicken, eleven secret herbs and spices on some. I've got uh, what do you go? What do you fellers call it up in Canada? Craft dinner cheddar cheese powder on some, and of course my personal favorite, purple Kool Aid flavor. Uh, well, now I'm embarrassed. You know, I, I thought we could hang with you, Chef. I, we, Kyle and I brainstormed on this back and forth. We said this is a great platter. It's got a little bit of everything. Uh, but here and what you've got, you're just smashing it out of the park here. We're main. Our main dish here is is chicken wings. We thought you don't don't be don't overthink it. Just go with chicken wings. Everybody loves them. And now I'm kind of embarrassed. Well, ain't no shame in that. You know, you fellas busy. You got your jobs. You got your families. I told you, man. I told you this is a 365 gig for me. You don't show up for work one day and walk home with a seven figure paycheck for nothing. This is a grind. So this one I'm particularly proud of this year. I wanted to do something that had never been done. And I I got inspired watching all them specials about John Madden and, you know, the turducken. And uh, I remember as a boy seeing that and, and fixing it for my family one year. And it, it got me thinking about Super Bowl Sunday and a Super Bowl Sunday version. So what I did is I came out with the chicken wing pizza burger. So what I got is a boneless buffalo chicken wing. Wrap that sucker up in pepperoni, stuff it inside a mini mozzarella ball, marinate it overnight in marinara sauce, and then pack it into a ground Kobe beef patty, fry that baby up, serve it on a crusty roll with a jalapeno-infused dill pickle relish, and then some of that fancy Dijon ketchup, just like them Canadian boys the Bare Naked Ladies sang about. Ooh, boy, it's gonna be good. Oh, man, I can't wait for the Super Bowl. I can't wait to hang out with you again, Chef. I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me and the Falcon Maniacs. Uh, Chef Montana Marino, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, real quick, I know you know you know you don't do much for plugs. You're booked this year. How far in advance should people look to book you? I know uh, Clooney's hanging out with you this year, but what are we looking at? What's the waiting list? Well, you know when Georgie called me, it was uh, it was just after uh, you know Ocean's Eleven had come out. So if you're looking forward <laughs> right now, uh, I believe if you call my assistant Alexandriola. Uh, she's taking bookings for, I, I can't remember if it's 2038 or 2039, but, uh, you know, get those phones ringing and start saving them pennies. I like it, chef. Once again, thanks so much for coming on here. Uh, that does it for the interview and Falcomaniacs, that does it for the show. Um, yeah, what an absolute pleasure it was to, to have the chef on. Uh, we, we love having you guys on Kyle. I don't know if you're, you're back. Oh uh, man. You know, I mean, just right. listening just listening to that I almost shorted out my microphone I was drooling so much I can't believe all the oh, all the dude. treats you got to have in studio and and the no feast idea. that he's preparing man well, it was the best part because we we're in the kitchen together as we we're we we're filming this, and we ate before we press record. And he all like you know he talks about the concoctions that are finished, but the the experimenting he does beforehand you know, I got spoiled it oh, was great. probably good for my shirt buttons that I wasn't there with you. Well, I'll show you some tricks of the trade, uh, hopefully this year at the Super Bowl <laughs> when we're watching it together. But uh, until then, we, we got, uh, that's all we have for episode number 95. Falcon Maniacs, once again, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we hope you had a little fun along the way in this episode. Uh, we got another week before the Super Bowl. We're going to preview that next week. Uh, we may talk about the Pro Bowl as well, but I'm sure there's all kinds of 
um, news that's going to happen between now and then. I know the Vikings have signed a coach. There's other stuff coming down the pipe. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on our social media. Keep an eye on the podcast. Please continue to, to like and share, review. It's huge for, for our following and what we're accomplishing here and hoping to accomplish here. We want to get Kyle that high school gymnasium full of football jerseys. So uh, continue to listen and continue to share. We love having you guys uh, contribute to the show as well. So please reach out to us via email at uh, fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. Or uh, using the link in the show description, we want to hear you guys and hear some ideas for the podcast in the offseason here as the news kind of slows down. So uh, once again, on behalf of Kyle and myself, thanks for listening. If you're doing DFS, make sure you set your Falcon lineups. Woo!